0: the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to have fellow foster mama, Erin Bouchard, on the podcast today. Erin, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. So I know you are a foster mama. So let's talk about just a little bit of background
1: about your family and who's in your house right now. Yeah, sure. So my husband and I have been licensed foster parents for almost 10 years now. We have two children that we have adopted from the foster care system, and they are also a kinship adoption. So they are a second cousin's children. And Ethan is 12 and Ariana is 9. And then we got, as soon as we were married, we knew we wanted to foster and be involved in the foster care system. And so we started pretty early on in our marriage. And then after adopting Ethan and Ariana, we tried to have biological children and discovered we were going to struggle with that. And so we uh, struggled with infertility for about three years until little Evie joined our family and she is two and she is just the cutest little addition. Um, She fits right in with the big two. They absolutely adore. Her. Um, and then we also have a foster placement currently who is also two, so fictive twins in the house. Um, <laughs> they are three months to the day apart and just super cute. So, oh,
0: that's amazing. Love. Yeah, I love that sounds like you've got an amazing crew in your house and Mm -hmm. how, I mean, how has your foster care journey kind of felt for you emotionally over this whole like decade of
1: time? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it has ebbed and flowed quite a bit. So I, actually worked in the foster care system as a child and youth worker before starting fostering uh, in our family. And so I had like a lot of background knowledge about foster care system, about how, um, you know, attachment and trauma. And I feel like I've really learned so much over the last few years. And I wish I knew back then what I know now. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how things ebb and flow. And we've had placements from as young as a year old right up to 13 years old so kind of a, a wide variety wow
0: that's amazing and I love that you have the background of being a child and youth worker obviously so can you tell us a little bit about just like what you've learned from that experience but also as like you said like what you've learned in it as a foster mom mm-hmm. what how have those two things kind of come together and informed your care of these kids
1: yeah, so before I started the journey, I was a huge proponent for reunification for, you know, family staying together. And then um, when you get kids in your home, it really challenges like, do you really believe that when it's a kid you can see and that you have fallen in love with it? Do you really support birth families or are you just wanting to grow your own family and so I've really wrestled with that and just lately too I've been really uh like researching how much does it cost agencies to have kids in care what like what can we do to get more kids um returned home and so yeah I definitely think I like you know it it really makes you think about like what do I really believe and and why am I really doing this when it's your own kids when it's kids in your home that you love Yeah, it totally is. I thank you for saying that because I think it is something that, yeah,
0: like when you see the kids and you fall in love with them, obviously, and that's part of the job is to love them deeply. And then it's like, how do you make space for the purpose of, of this whole system is reunification and, Mm -hmm. you know, be rooting for that, that bio family to be able to be reunited with their children. It's, it's a Mm -hmm. lot. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So How has that like played out for you as a foster mom and adoptive mom? Like, how have you seen that kind of work out in your life?
1: Yeah. So the biggest way is just educating myself about loss and trauma. So I'm really, when our oldest son was about six years old, we went through a really big period of tons of outbursts and rages, Mm -hmm. and we really struggled to find resources and um, help for him. How do we help him settle back down into our house? We, you know, we had adopted him, we were fully committed to helping him. And so I really started to learn and educate myself on early loss and trauma and what that looks like. And um, I think that's one area that a lot of foster parents and adoptive parents don't really understand is that every single removal Every single adoption, even if it's an infant adoption, even if the, you know, the parent, the birth family wasn't that bad or they you know, they, they were so bad and now they, they can see this better, way better family. Now that they're with them, every adoption is loss, And so just recognizing that loss and then learning to parent through the lens of it. Um, So in my interactions with my kids, how does loss permeate their behavior, permeate their life, right? And then just recently, this little foster placement we have right now, we just love her and she fits so well into our family. And, you know, I have gotten the opportunity in this placement to really get to know birth mom and really be able to root for her and really show up for her. So we've, I do all the transportations to visit. She's come and had a few meetings with us. I've invited her to dance class, just things like that. So I can get to know her and build a relationship with her and be for her. Because oftentimes in this, you know, triad of, of relationships, there's no one really rooting for, for families, you know, there's workers telling them what they need to do and, and, and they definitely need to have that role, but there's no one cheering them on and and supporting them.
0: It's so important too, because if you think about Almost the insurmountable things sometimes that they're being asked to do in such a relatively short period of time. Yeah. I mean, wow, what would it look like if they knew they had someone rooting for them? Yeah. And on their team. So that's amazing. Thank you for saying that. It's so important to remember that. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety-reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. How has that loss taught you to parent differently looking through that lens of loss? As you said, how have you parented differently your children when you are recognizing that loss is really permeating much of their you know, day to day, even if we don't mm-hmm. see it or hear it necessarily? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Great question. Great question. First of all, just being totally open with them and helping them know that at any time, they may speak about or ask questions about or communicate with their birth family. Um, I think a lot of times foster parents, our gut instinct is to be like, well, if they want to know more about them, then they're rejecting us or then they don't, they're not happy enough or I'm not loving them enough. And it's that it's not an either, or it can, it's a both, right? They can love us and be so secure in the relationship with us and still want to get to know their birth family and still want to have answers to the questions mm-hmm. about why they're in care or why they were adopted or, you know, there's questions that I cannot answer for them. And I want them to have those answers or at least have the ability to ask those questions. So for so being open first of all, and second of all, just tailoring my whole, parenting, I, I learned pretty early on that traditional parenting does not work with foster and adoptive kids. And some one of the questions like, I get asked most, like, is my child's behavior trauma or is it normal child behavior? Because we all want the answers, right? Like, is this normal? Am I normal? Is my family normal? And the truth is that in so many situations, we don't know. We don't know if it's trauma. We don't know if it's typical four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. But if your traditional parenting is not working, so you're, you know, you threaten, give a consequence or give a reward, that's kind of traditional parenting, right? If that's not working with your child, then you have to find a new approach. And for me, that looks like in our home that we work on connection and felt safety and we work on that relationship above all else. So when our kids are melting down, our kids are feeling anxious, our kids are overwhelmed, we don't lecture, we meet the need of what's underlying that behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A long winded answer, lots of information in there, but that's perfect. I think it's so important because I
0: honestly, I was saying to my husband the other day, we have two older bio kiddos and then our younger ones were mm-hmm. uh, our ones adopted and one we're fostering and yeah. my three-year-old son who he adopted sometimes, you know, he's three, like he's being a three-year-old. He's being cuckoo out there and wild yeah. and whatever. And sometimes the tantrums, I'm like, what? But I, I always tell my husband, I'm like, I feel like our oldest son prepared us to have foster kids and adopt out of foster care because he would do the most rageful like you know
1: things and I'm like
0: I carried him in my womb like he was like came home (laughs) from the hospital with me and like so like you said though the important thing to remember is we don't know and that's not really the point the point isn't to determine is this trauma or is it not I think that's our fear it's coming from a place of parental fear and wanting control So like you said, entering into connection and felt safety with them, really, it just works wonders way above and beyond the traditional, like you said, parenting methods that maybe our parents did for us, or we've read in other books and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What have been the most effective ways that you have, have been helpful to connect with your children, like to have that felt safety? What are the things that are kind of like your go-to tools that you use to create that safety with them?
1: Great question. That definitely evolves as they get older. But when we first struggled with Ethan and we're dealing with a lot of anger outbursts or rages, um, we took him right back. So he was four when he moved into our house and not to share too much of his story, but he moved multiple times before coming to our house, came into care, went back to mom, came into care, went back to mom, um, and then moved uh, foster homes. So we just really like took him back to little. We did tons of rocking with him. And we, the key to like rocking successfully with your child is you can't rock them when they're in a rage. Like you have to have these moments throughout the day where you just gather them and rock them and build that connection. And we made sure we were the only ones meeting his needs. And it was a little bit silly to be like, sorry, mom, you can't get him food when he asked for it. Like, but for a period of time, we needed to be the ones that always fed him and met all of those needs so that he built that trust with us. Right. Like he rewired that part of his brain that had been changed because of that early trauma we did we had a little hand squeeze so it was we squeezed his hand three times and he would squeeze back four times for I love you and so that was a good like we could see him starting to spiral and we could just wherever we were we could just reach out and do those three little squeeze and that was something that he really worked well with him I've used that with other kids and it hasn't so it's kind of like this like you got to figure out your child and what they like and what they don't and then we do a ton of baths in our house I always joke with my husband like we need to invest in bath bombs because when kids are starting to smile, we're like, it looks like you need a bath and like, just like going and getting a special bath bomb, picking their like scent and, and going and relaxing in the tub, just like, Ooh it calms them right down right and so yeah just figuring out so for our daughter she she doesn't outburst as much it's more like she withdraws and and kind of goes into herself and so just giving like giving her permission to like if you need to take a break but I I try and encourage her to take a break with us or we'll go for a walk or we'll do something she craves that like one-on-one time right so finding little pockets where we can do that for her has been so helpful for her connection and her um, felt safety.
0: I love that reminder to take into account the kids different personalities and what they typically do when they're not, you know, in a place of like health or stability, you know, like Mm -hmm. being able to enter into, okay, looking at what is the need here instead of just like, here's how I always do it. Here's what we always do. And I think that we, as parents, sometimes we want, and just humans, we want the, like, black and white answer of like, is, right. Here's my flow chart of if the kid does this, then I do this <laughs> and in parenting in general, but especially in, in foster care and in, in adoption out of foster care, that's just not going to work. And we, and right. we can really do ourselves and the kids such a disservice by trying to be like, cause I know like in typical, you know, parenting methods, are like consistency, consistency. Yeah. And it's like, yes, it's important, but here it's important for connection to be consistent for right. the attaching to happen and things like that. Like right. that. It's a different, totally different lens through which we parent.
1: Of course. Yeah. And that's, that's such a good point because that was probably my hardest lesson was to lower my own stinking expectations, right? Like (laughs) I expected that kids behaved a certain way or that, you know, we were excited about Christmas and we didn't have trauma meltdowns over it. Like it's a lowering my expectations. And the other big thing I learned is building margin into your day. So the hardest times with our kids are the days we need them to do something right now, right? Like mornings before school, finishing dinner to get out the door to a sport when we don't have a margin of time we're stressed out and overwhelmed at least i am like my anxiety starts to get higher i'm like i we gotta be here we gotta do you know and then they can sense that and it's just not we're triggering each other and then it ends up in a big meltdown which we absolutely did not have time for and then you're you know so if you can build in little margins in your day so that you have time to do the connection pieces with your kids, if you spend a bit of time doing that, you'll actually save yourself so much time when you're not dealing with a meltdown.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That's so important. And just in general, in life of like, we need more margin and less <laughs> mm-hmm. like complete running from one thing to the next. Right. If, if we need that, like how much more how do our kids need kids it? Need that, Yeah. And- so true. They can almost sense. I feel like sometimes we're like, we have to be here at this certain right? time. And they're like, nope, it's time for a that <laughs> Right?
1: Like you want a bet?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so it sounds like you have learned a ton over your parenting journey and your foster parenting journey. What are some of the resources that you've kind of leaned on or found yourself kind of yeah. going back to time and again as you kind of navigate through this?
1: Absolutely. I've learned a lot um, from the TBRI program and Karen Purvis and the uh, Connected Child, Connected Parent. Uh, my husband and I foster for a therapeutic foster home. So we do a lot of training with our agency. We have, they provide a lot of that training. So just diving into it and learning more about it and just really understanding in simple terms, like what fight, flight means and, mm-hmm. and what, how do we build these, these, this felt safety, right? And then Yeah. Just honestly, just trial and error. I like the the things I know now, I wish I knew right at the beginning of of my journey. And I've learned a lot about giving myself grace for the fact that I didn't know it at the beginning of the journey and I'm going to make mistakes. We're going to, you know, wish we had done things differently with kids or done, you know, that's part of this journey. None of us are perfect. We're always learning and and improving, but we also have to forgive and and just do the best we can with what we have at the time. Yeah,
0: that's huge. I think for all parents, definitely. And for us foster mamas as well, like, you know, not letting that guilt sink in too deep (laughs) into Uh our hearts because it's just, we always want the best for our kids. We want to, you know, do things perfectly, but that's just not life. So Mm -hmm. what is a strategy or what is something that you kind of remind yourself of when on those days where you're like, "Ugh, I did not, that did not go how I saw it going in my mind.
1: To be honest, the best strategy for that is being open with the kids. I think we, as parents, we are sometimes afraid to model our own emotions and how we feel, right? We're like, we're happy with our kids and then we're sad in our rooms or we're mad later with our husbands and we're, or spouses, and we're not effectively modeling that. So I think those are good opportunities to be like, you know what? Mom screwed up on this one and I should not have responded that way. And I'm very sorry. And then, yeah, just remembering those lessons so that you can make better choices. I mean, we we say it to our kids all the time. We we tell them like, you know, you have to choose. You can feel anxious, but you still have to make good choices. And then here we are yelling because they're five <laughs> minutes late to get out of the door, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, I can I can feel anxious, but I still have to make a good choice. And so like, yeah, y- yeah, mo- yeah. modeling that and and modeling when we are when we get it wrong because we Absolutely. do. We're all human.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah. And I just think that is, it's just such an important thing for parents. Just it's so that right there is connection. It's just being able to say I messed up, you know, like, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And mm-hmm. letting our kids see us that we're not perfect. We don't pretend to be perfect. We know we don't have it all together either. Mm-hmm. And we can enter into that, you know, eye to eye connection of like, look, I'm really sorry. So yeah, I'm glad, glad you said that. God, it's not just me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, Erin, thank you so much for chatting. Yes. I feel like you just have such a wealth of knowledge from your professional experience and your lived experience as a foster thank and you. adoptive mama. Where can people connect with you and find more about about the things that we've been talking about online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am on Instagram as Raising Our Fab Tribe. I'm on Facebook as Trauma Informed Parenting. And you can visit, I have a website, um, traumainformedfosterparenting.com. and you can email me off of that site. Um, but yeah, follow along the journey. I share some tips and I go live um, every other Wednesday evening, just sharing some of, some of the things we've learned over the years and just chatting about foster care system.
0: Thank you so much. That is such a valuable resource for all of us who are trying to learn and continue to grow as, as parents and foster parents. So I really appreciate you taking the time out and chatting tonight. Of course, my
1: pleasure. Thank you.